This is Joel Spolsky, the host of the Stack Overflow podcast. Our podcast depends on listeners like you, who aren't you because you're already listening, and we need more listeners like you. We don't have any kind of fancy marketing budget. So please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends to subscribe. Thank you. So, yeah, what do you all do for content on this show? <laughs> <laughs> This is the Stack Overflow Podcast, episode 98, recorded Thursday, January 12th, 2017 at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York, New York, home to Broadway, the bright beating heart of musical theater, where more than 8 million people live in peace and enjoy the benefits of democracy. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Move to Sydney. There's never a dull moment, and it's a great place to raise a family, if you don't mind people calling you mite all the time. Shrimp, <laughs> Babby, Dingoes, and Jira. Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> On today's podcast, the usual crew, VP of Engineering Things, David Fullerton. Hey. VP of Not Engineering Things, Jay Hanlon. Good day. And our news editor is Ilana Yitzhaki. Hello, everyone. Also, today's special guest, programmer, teacher, speaker, technologist, podcaster, writer, and diversity advocate, Scott Hanselman. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you. It has been a month almost, according to the little date thing here. It has. I think our last one was the 15th. It was the 15th. It's the 12th, so that's a month Almost minus month. three days. It's, that's our new thing. Every it's like so lunar, it's every, like a lunar month. Every Ides. We're going to do it every Ides. <laughs> it's one for a lunar month. Four weeks. Every, <laughs> every, every four month weeks. has an Ides, right? There's only Ides in Odd. We the, do it, we do it every four weeks. Yeah. Knuckle. Is, was that Australian? Are, what, are we doing we... accents now? Is that, that seems like a bad idea. None of that. I was just doing my South African accent, actually. What? <laughs> It's just, it's so bad. It's just so bad that it just sounds Australian. Are we doing Afrikaner impressions? Why I don't know what's happened. I month. Tr- anybody go on vacations or something? What's the story? I think there's that thing at the end of yeah. the year that... There's some end of the year holidays and there was a hat thing that was going on and... Yeah, we had hats. So while hats were live, we couldn't do a podcast. That's right. That's the reason. People were away for the... Ho- you went somewhere warm, didn't you? you I did. Some... I just got back yesterday from... St. Barth's. St. Bart, yes. Is it Bart? Is the H silent? Everything is silent. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're just like monks. It's a bunch of people sitting around thinking about life. Yeah. I don't think I've been. Is it nice there? It is super nice. It's like a little teeny island, just ringed by the most beautiful, spectacular, clean beaches with no people. So I dare you to tell me what makes yeah. St. Bart's different than, say, St. Croix, St. Martin, Never been to St. Places. Thomas, I wasn't St. John. Oh, it's much nicer. But how? They're Food all... was better. The okay. people were, were French. Frencher? Frencher. Is it a French territory? It is. It's okay. just France. I mean, well, it's a department. I don't I know if it's technically a, a department of France. <laughs> <laughs> a wholly owned subsidiary of France. <laughs> I, somebody looked this up. I think I didn't just make that up. <laughs> Please send your letters to France. <laughs> There's nobody there. The internet, uh, the whole internet. Was... Prime Minister's house. It's one of those, it was one of those islands where the internet goes off when it's raining. I East think they had a microwave connection Cal- to St. Martin. That was my guess, because when it rained, there was just zero internet. Not that there was that much internet when it didn't rain. But it was pretty, and the internet came from the sky. That's your review. Yeah. Got it. Beautiful. Got it. It well, is an back. overseas collectivity. It was a collectivity, department. not a department. I'm sorry. Totally different. Where did you go for the holidays, Lana? I spent New Year's in Connecticut. Connecticut? In Watertown, Connecticut. The beautiful nutmeg state. No. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice Airbnb. A bunch of my friends went to a house and had a fireplace and had good food. We all cooked together. And... Ooh, that's so David, fun. were you there? David's from Connecticut. Maybe you've met oh. him. And you're still friends after that? Yeah. No, it was great. We went hiking and what was it? Black Rock is the park. Is okay. it a Department of France? <laughs> no, it's a collectivity. <laughs> I don't know everything about Connecticut. I just lived there. It's okay. a wholly owned subsidiary of Massachusetts, if I understand correctly. <laughs> Connecticut, the state you drive through to get from to Boston to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a single thing that like, the average person would drive to Connecticut for on a regular yeah. basis. Uh, the people that live in Connecticut drive there to sleep. Now. You're right. Obviously. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Jay, what was your vacation? I had family time. I just, I, time. mostly around here, saw, you know, the parents, no the other parents, at all. the third. I mean, I went out People to, care. I have relatives out on, like, way out in the North Fork of Long Island. My dad and stepmom up there. And I saw the my North mom Fork. on Staten Island and my in-laws. But we got good kid time, you know, like, right. playing with the new yeah. dumb gadgets and 
you said those were good gadgets. They were. They were. So the kids got, we got them their own iPads, which I don't know if makes me the Ooh. best dad ever, like a terrible parent. That like, makes. Where is this coming from? I dread the day when like, you see your kids like walk up to like cereal boxes and they're like pinching out to make the picture bigger. <laughs> like it, I feel like we're, we've broken. I've done some. that with, uh, well, not cereal boxes, Instagram. It doesn't work. And yes, it does. Switching, you can zoom. Switching, you can zoom from, on switching from Kindle to books. That's new, I Like think. a physical book. I try, try to it. touch words all the time to have them defined or like swipe yeah. scroll in a, in a physical book. It's embarrassing every time. <laughs> Perhaps what you should be embarrassed about is not your confusion over medium, but how frequently you apparently don't know what words mean in the books you read. Yeah, yeah. Just exactly. something. To think. Maybe that's because I'm actually reading books that, you know, are stretching my vocabulary, Jay, and not just, you know, I don't know, children's books or something. I think the Smurfs and the others may not stretch my vocabulary, but it's really about racism and how we relate to other cultures. Right, and I don't appreciate you denigrating it. Thanks. I thought the Smurfs was about communism. I was having dinner just the other night with the Purple Power Ranger, <laughs> who told me. <laughs> Sorry, I am trying to get a visa. tech rant. Do we have a Do we have a rant? I do. I was just about to launch into it when I got oh, to sorry. interrupted. I am uh, trying to get a visa to go to India, which this is the first time I've ever been to a country that they don't just say, oh, you're American? Just, just walk right in, please. Most countries do that, extend that courtesy to you. That's true. We have a very American-centric... They have a system whereby you go to a website that has been created for this purpose by the government, and you fill out an insane form with all kinds of questions in order to apply for the visa to go to India. And I won't go into too much detail because I'm just going to be ranting about this. By the way, why am I going to India? to ask me that. Oh, why are you going to India? Yes. Yes is not a good answer to a why-initiated question, but okay. Good question, Ilana. <laughs> the annual International Science and Technology Festival called Quark, which will be held at Bits Pilani on the Goa campus in India, which is in Goa, which is in the sort of south on the left. On the Cool. South and left aren't in the same dimensional space, but bottom left. The bottom yes. left of India. We know what you mean. By the beach. But they think you're speaking. There's some arrangement right. for you to be speaking. That's right. But so you were saying you went to, is this a U.S. State Department site or an Australian accent? Indian State Department, <laughs> Indian equivalent site. Yes. Who runs so this the, visa site that you're about to... India. Okay. Yeah. Some group there. Okay. So it's a standard bad government programming that they have everywhere in the world and nothing specific. But here are a couple of complaints that I want to bring up. Number one, and this is just sort of an example of you know you're at a bad website when there are two different photographs you have to upload. One is a photograph of yourself, which will be used in your visa. The equivalent of a passport photo sort of thing. I guess, but please upload up like a PNG file, and I think it could be up to 500 kilobytes in size, which yeah. I don't know why they ever have any limit or maximum. No, why don't they just downsample or like do yeah, that? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. one line of code. So just, okay, fine. And then they wanted, on the next page, they want an image of your passport so they can see your passport. Which is fine. Not the cover. <laughs> the page with all the information. <laughs> uh, I figured that out. Although they didn't explain that. I figured that out myself. But they want it to be a PDF, and they want the PDF to be less than 100 kilobytes or something like that. Some very, it's very, very small It's very hard to make number. a PDF small. Yeah, because yeah, what you do is you capture the thing, and then you're like, save as PDF. And it's always on my Mac, no matter what I did, it was like 1.3 megabytes, which is a lot, but that's all I could get. And I tried downsampling the image that I made into a PDF, and I tried all kinds of things that I can think of to do as a person who knows computers. My first crazy thought from yeah. the trick you used to use with pictures yeah. is like, did you try sticking the PDF in a Word file? Because there was what yeah. appeared yeah, to yeah, outsiders yeah. to be magic, where you take a giant photo, sure. you stick it in a Word file, <laughs> the Word file is now smaller than the photo was, Save and it as. seems like you can open the photo at full resolution on the other end in an inexplicable way. Oh, because like, I tried all, every possible combination, I tried cutting and pasting into Noob. I literally at some point just went on the internet and said, PDF shrinker and found a website that was like, we will shrink your PDFs, upload them here. And you need like the Adobe Acrobat, like ultra professional sorry, wait, enterprise And then version. you uploaded yeah. a picture of your passport to, to some, some random, random shady website. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I found it on Google. It's okay. I think it's David okay. may have figured out what happened to you just now. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm so small. And they shrunk it to like, they're like, how small do you want it? And I was like, I don't know, how small could it be? And they actually gave me like a 3K version. And I was like, oh, it's too small because I only have to get it below 100K. But after playing with the adjustments, I got it. But I was like, what a normal, it's like normal people use this website to apply for visas to go to India? What do they do? Listen, they were very pleased that when they launched the new website, yeah. overall visa requests dropped in half. <laughs> no, no, yeah. What they, what they switched from is like their one metric, I'm sure, is like legitimate submission backlog. Right. right. Like how many visas yeah. are sitting out waiting review and approval? Oh, Turn around. That number around was time. destroyed by this new thing and they're killing it's it It's possible. Now, here is the thing which I'm really going to rant about because this is a much worse case of that. And you've all seen this on the web. You go to a field and the field says, enter your birthday. 
And today is, let's say that it's January, what day is today? January 12th, 2017. So the field where you enter your birthday is preset to January 12th, 2017. That's a good approximation. It's a good guess. Maybe you were just born because that's going to happen. <laughs> it seems possible they're trying to express the preferred syntax to you, but go on. No, no. It's just they're programmers and they're using a date control. And the date control is just like, what default shall I use for a date control? I have, if oh, you oh, don't sorry, give me any sorry. information. Sorry, this isn't like a freeform field that, like where no. it's grayed out, got No, gen. there's a drop it's down a with drop a month. Down. I see, a I drop see, down see, with the day I of the see. month. I get it. And then a drop down with a year with 900,000 choices. And you'd prefer they used actuarial tables to guess the most likely age you are based on your location. You know what? I don't or... even care, but I okay. guarantee it's not 2017. Nobody who's applying for a visa, it's 2017. So just set it to 2000, you know? And then I'll, okay, that's not my complaint. <laughs> Here's my complaint. Okay, today's January. When's my birthday? It's August 11th. I won't say the year because it's very secret. You didn't give us a chance okay. to guess. Okay. You choose from the drop down August. Yeah. And then what happens? It changes to the first again. No, you get an error message saying, birthday it can't must be, be in the 2017. Past. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> because you just set your birthday to August 2017. That's impossible. That's in the future. And the minute you choose that, or even worse, you can't even choose August because it's grayed out. Because it's in the future. And we have all seen this, right? You had this happen to you. Each yeah, piece yeah, yeah, that was yeah. worked on made sense independently. Yes, okay. <laughs> Possibly. Yes. And even worse is that, of course, then it blows you away. And all the other things that you spent six hours filling out on that page, like your phone number, which is not allowed to have a dash. It's like, I don't, my phone number has a dash in it. But okay, okay, I'll take it out. All that stuff is blown away and is now empty because it is now like navigated. Just, be, just when you choose the drop down thing, it takes you to a different, There's there's no way to actually get this correct. It is absolutely maddening. And there's certain things that will happen. Like, for example, if your birthday is, I think, like in February, and it's the 31st of the month, so you're trying to fill this out, and the drop-down defaults to 31, and you try to say February, and it's like, no, I'm not going to lie and enter February 31st. That this is, I feel like we're just making a modern-day okay. remake of Pirates of Penzance now in the mm -hmm. setting of an mm -hmm. Indian embassy visa application site. You don't know the plot of Pirates of Penzance, do you? Damn it. <laughs> I don't either. I did Gilbert not get the reference. Sullivan? No, Pirates of Penzance, one of the central conceits is oh, there's a person. Oh, we sail the ocean blue, and our saucy ships at beauty. We're sober men and true. Saucy, and saucy would not cut it for David's high school. That play could not be performed <laughs> under the supervision that's of- That's Pirates of Penzance, right? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And But and one of the big things is one of the main characters was born on Leap Day. That's right. And, and he so, was only... Yeah, and pirate culture, weird, you have to be yeah. like 21 to, I that's don't know, right. drive the ship. Yeah, and he was only five. Get a special hat. He's Got five. It. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that too. That too. I was wondering why the Gilbert and Sullivan reference. Okay. Here is why I am so angry about this <laughs> drop-down field, which you have all seen. The reason I am angry is because I'm a computer programmer. And I, too, have done this thing where you're like, oh, I shall use a date field. And then you use a date field. And then one of the configuration parameters is date must be in past. And you're like, yes, I shall validate this by validating that it's in the past because it's a birthday. Birthday can't be in the future. That sounds totally logical to have that validation. You put that on there. And the first time you try it, you realize that you have done a bad thing. If you actually try it. If you try it on certain days. Yeah. Birthdays, certain yeah. days. But you, and then you spend the next six hours trying to figure out how to fix this, or if you have Stack Overflow, zero minutes. But <laughs> in general, you then spend hours trying to fix this problem, and you put in the work, and you make it better. And every time I see that bug, I know there is a programmer that did not put in the work to make this better. And so the entire world must suffer because they did not do it. And to me, that is exactly the same way as I feel about people who don't pay their taxes. Because it's not just that you I'm didn't pay your taxes. I'm excited to see how we get there. Right? Well, we'll see. It's obvious. It's not that you didn't pay your taxes, and I'm mad at you for not paying your taxes, and it's like, ooh, you bad person. I don't care. It's that I have to pay my taxes, and I'm probably paying more because you're not paying your taxes. And if I can pay them, you should be able to pay them. And if I can spend four hours making it so the drop-down field allows you to enter something before and doesn't do the damn validation to get to the end of the page, why can't you? There we go. Microphone drop. <gasps> well, that was a pretty good rant. Oof. Okay. I didn't expect it to get so heated there at the end. So here's what we need. We need a word for programmers that do this thing where they don't bother to fix the drop down so that you can enter month, date, year in a birthday field because you're getting so many error messages that are popping up preventing you from being able to just, just give me a minute. Let me finish entering my birthday and then tell me if it's in the past. Okay. Thank you. So we're looking for like a, a neo neologism, a new or a snake. Neologism. We're looking for a word. Remember snakelet calendars where they like made up a word for like 
when you're kind of bummed out on a Monday or the others. Anyway, I, I just want what something. What if they put that... the year first? Yeah. And nobody would know what to do. They'd be like, that would be oh. super confusing. Well, not in like... Europe, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's day and then month and then year. Yeah, but, oh, but if you problem. just put your near year first, then Sorry. none of this would happen. I just remember Europe is weird. That's what it was in my head. And I didn't remember <laughs> how it was weird. It's just different. I, I have learned when I go to these, and that's the only way you can get past this page. Is to set it to nineteen whatever, whatever year you were yeah. born. In my case, I think nineteen ninety nine. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before <laughs> you go back, that's why I never understand Anil Dash's Prince jokes. Eighteen. <laughs> look a day older than twenty. <laughs> <laughs> never ask a CEO his age. Totally. You don't look a day over six. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. So the word you're trying to define essentially means don't not do a thing Joel once did because that makes him super mad, right? Does that no? Do I every self-respecting programmer takes the extra time and does the obviously right thing, and we understand why you created that bug because we all went through that bug to get to the right code. We just kept working until we got it right, and you went home. It's the absence of dog fooding. Yes, it's the opposite that, of right. dog fooding. Maybe. Like they, you think they, uh, David, you think they don't even know, or you think they're just like, well, it's good enough. I Cat, think they never even tried it. They Cat starvation. It it's more than dog fooding. Is that they didn't try a couple of examples. They didn't test their own code or have testers or. Yeah. I just think they're lazy. I just think they're like, this is beyond my capability to figure out how to solve this problem. It wasn't in the spec. And it's close enough, and it wasn't in the spec. The spec said a date picker. There's yeah. a date picker there. Yep. It doesn't allow dates yep. in the past. It's I'm done. A date in the past. That's true. There's probably some of the people that are going through that complicated procedure that they're given for coding. They probably actually validated it and said, this meets the spec because right. it doesn't allow future That's dates. Right. There's probably a bug report. And the bug report <laughs> describes this exact problem. And they said, show me in the spec where it's as. Some programmer had this all working beautifully. And then somebody filed the bug report and like, hey, your form allows right. future dates. And then somebody else went back and it was like, darn it, don't allow future dates. Next bug report. <laughs> That's true. That Resolved. actually, there's no way that they just thought to make that dates only in the past. The first time they wrote that code, if they're that bad a programmer. <laughs> we better check if we have any date pickers in the developer survey. Jay, something going on with the developer survey. What is the developer survey? Our developer survey, as you may recall, longtime listeners, and hopefully most of the people in this room, every year for the last five years now, I think this is the fifth annual full one. I made that up. I don't know. It's been a bunch of years. We've done a lot of these. We run what I'm pretty confident saying is the world's largest survey of software developers on the planet. Wouldn't it be embarrassing if a developer survey somewhere had a question of like, what is your birthday? <laughs> no, no. So the survey tries to capture a lot about developers. So both basic demographic stuff, where you are. We do ask about how old you are. We ask how long you've been coding. We ask what technologies you work with, what you like. And we also try to get a little bit more into people's experiences. Obviously, we're very interested in how developers get hired. So we get into like, why did you pick your last job? How did you find mm -hmm. it? What made you leave your last job? All kinds of things. And also how they work, like what's most important to them, both in finding a job, what makes their job most rewarding. And we adjust it. Some of the things we try and do every year so we can track trends. And some of it we try to introduce a new to learn new things. And then you can really slice and dice it in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. But back to the question, in one of the early versions this year, we do have a question that asks your age and has validation. And in an early version of it, it was like, I forget what the bottom was, but I remember reading a draft where it was like the age is restricted in such a way where if you're like over 75, it rejects it. And I'm like, take that out there. I do not need to see these angry tweets about how angry tweets. Stack Overflow has said that as a 90-year-old software developer, you know, Jay, I am not part of the community. Delete Twitter. I don't know how to do the Twitter things <laughs> and the deletion of the Twitter Just things. don't run the app that has a little bird on it. Just exit out. But right now, speaking of Twitter, you should yeah. go to twitter.com slash stackpodcast or facebook.com slash podcast a couple of the places you can get a link to participate in the survey. We would love to have you participate. Um, last year, we had over 50,000 50, respondents yeah. from over 173 countries. Definitely fill this out because I read everyone and I take your <laughs> request to heart and it gets built into next year's Stack Overflow. Let's say that's true because that's as good a reason as <laughs> last any. Last year, somebody said that the mango chutney was too sweet. <laughs> we reworked the entire recipe for mango chutney. And now I would say that it is pleasantly sweet, but not too sweet. It's super bitter now. I wish you hadn't told him that. He got really obsessed with it. One of our chefs quit. It's, it's quite I tragic. All it's all times. very tragic. But yeah. It says here 173 countries. That's true. St. Bart's, is that a country or is that like a department? I think you said it was a Provence of some sort, if I heard <laughs> you correctly. Collective. Thank you, Lana. Everybody else has already forgotten that part of the podcast. <laughs> <sighs>
But yeah, some of this stuff may be obvious, some is less obvious. It's kind of where we started to realize too that like the way people found jobs was different than we thought. Like an mm-hmm. enormous amount of programmers don't go looking for jobs, at least in recent years. That they The f- jobs go looking for them. Well, they found their job through more passive ways. So they either found their yeah. job through headhunters, like someone who chased them down and said, hey, 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 I got this thing, I got this thing, mm-hmm. or through friends. And so the survey was how we started to realize that a huge percent of the people who find software programming jobs or who transition don't enter the market. This is part of what we were chatting about with our guest a couple of weeks ago too, that they are essentially pulled out of a job they're somewhat happy. And not all, but a much larger percent than we thought. We wait, learned- wait a minute. What? Joel blogged about that like a hundred years ago. Yes, but now yeah, they f- never, they never. Really but now we actually have evidence. Now, now it's more Joel like was a just fact. making it up. <laughs> I was yeah. just writing Got words. On yeah, the Joel page. also blogged extensively <laughs> that, okay, on when he could wear two pair of pants. This is more supported by evidence, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But so yeah, fill out the survey. Last year we were fascinated and stunned by this discovery that there was like this crazy difference. We found this really big skew in the difference between the technologies used by Star Trek enthusiasts and Star Wars enthusiasts. We're fascinated by it. And it turned out that every single thing we had discovered was explained by a simple third Z factor, which is Star Trek enthusiasts are like 18 years older than Star Wars enthusiasts for <laughs> relatively obvious reasons. <laughs> and so all these other fascinating correlations oh. were caused by the fact that oh, wow. if you were 20 Bitch. in like 1968, you're a super diehard Star Trek fan. And if you were 20 in 1975, yeah. you're a super diehard Star Wars fan. But Sarah Chip said that there's a difference between people that say bay and people that say boo that identifies your age. You mean as a like a paramour like that, bay boo? Am I? My, yeah, like, okay. like you don't even know what the words mean. I, so, so, so yeah, I think I just tagged myself as too old. <laughs> too old, to wow. too old. Jay is in the third category of people who understand neither. Yeah, is Bay the new version of Boo or the yes. old version? Yeah, of Bay, Bay is the, Bay is the new version. version. Yeah. Boo is old. We should put that in the developer survey. What are some of the interesting tidbits that we've learned on the developer survey in the past besides the Star Trek one? So one of the things I think that we talked a bunch about last year that I don't know that I found interesting and a lot of the reporters latched onto some of the stuff around educational background that uh, almost half of developers, at least as of yeah. last year's 50 plus thousand respondents, 46% of developers do not have a bachelor's in computer science or right. anything vaguely related. They either studied other things, didn't finish college, converted later in life. Yeah. Sometimes it's taken away from them retroactively when they write one of those birthday drop downs that I was describing. <laughs> Certain schools like MIT will come back and will take away your computer science degree. I know you've been petitioning <laughs> MIT for the power to implement such rules, but I'm not sure they have granted it as of yet, particularly as you did not attend MIT and they, quote, don't know who you are, Mr. Spolsky, but wish you well. I'm just kidding, Joel. Everyone at MIT knows who you are. Yeah, he looks very sad. <laughs> So if you would like to be Please a take part, the survey, yes. part of our statistics this year, we're super excited about it. We published kind of a summary of our findings on our website. We also released the raw data so people can use that, play with it, learn. Obviously not the, it's, it's anonymized in all of the right ways, but all the aggregate stuff is put out in ways that let people slice and dice. We're careful not to use any items that are too small, would reveal anything. This year, especially, we would expect to see more work yep. both here and elsewhere kind of Looking across different demographics, different age groups, what's different? What can we learn? Will JavaScript still be the most popular programming? In the yeah. World? And like, what's the correlation between like your phone number and your JavaScript? Okay. We have a special guest today. We have Scott Hanselman, who's Very been on this guest. podcast a few times. But first, but first, we'll do a one-minute tech review. Ooh, what are we, we going to learn about? That's right. Light switches. And my favorite thing, we got to prepare a constitution for Stack Overflow. We'll be right back after this message. We don't have messages. Oh, well. Okay, here's my one minute. What tech a review. disappointment that was. <laughs> you really, you were leading right up. It was like a perfect was narrative. Gonna, I was have, expecting to hear a commercial. We were going to have a pizza commercial or something. It's like, and now George Clooney is not here. That's right. <laughs> Super bummer, man. Super okay. Bummer. Lutron light switches. Okay, so here's what I did to my house. <laughs> I had a whole bunch of halogen lights in the living room. Halogen? Yes, because- Oh, the bulbs, the halogen light halogen bulbs. Halogen bulbs are 200 watts each, so that was the only thing that could make enough brightness. And there were five, six, there were 12 of them in the house. But not, you're not Seven talking about those halogen room. lamps that give off six million degrees? They are, except that they were mounted on the wall, but it was the same Oh, but they're bulb. like those halogen torchieres where if like Super you touch hot. them with your fingerprints oh when God, they're yes. off, they will explode when they go off. They on. will explode because the heat from the oil from your fingerprints on the glass causes explosion. I yeah. feel like I last saw so that technology in my college dorm room 20 yep. years ago, yep. but go on. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So this is what we had, and we had, I have them all in the house, and that was the only way we could like that. And so I was you don't have heat. These heat your home, I assume. They First of all, they made the house way too hot. Yep. They literally... I mean, we were talking about like just the living room was 2,000 watts or so. You're doing it on purpose, aren't you? Literally. You're using literally literally to mean figuratively, which is the 
No, I don't. Opposite. I don't give a fig. Uh, <laughs> do not. Okay. I am not worried about literally versus figuratively. I just want to say literally a lot, and I mean, I mean, a certain kind of emphasis. That's what I. Okay. I decided to replace these all with LEDs. So I found sure. there is now there are LEDs replacements for every kind of bulb, which yes. is amazing. And there are these kinds that look like corn on the cobs, that are just a magic corn on the cob, where every individual corn nibble. What's the word for one? Because they're they're tiny little squares like that look like almost when they're off they look kernel. like um, solar panels. Yeah, every kernel, kernel, thank you. Every kernel of corn was an LED bulb. Yeah, and on the ends it had the same little electric connectors at the same distance as one of those halogen bulbs that you can't touch. And so I took out the halogen bulbs. Yeah, causing a fire, and then snapped in the little corn on the cob thingies that I Did got. You check that you had the twenty C. You need the twenty seven hundred color yes. color uh, spectrum. Good call. Usually. Always get. 2700 or most 3000 otherwise it's going to be very white and, and it's going to make you think of a tie board. Right and you'll be tricked cuz you'll see lights that say daylight natural and you'll be like no. what is more wonderful than yeah, natural than daylight? daylight? No, no. And you realize natural daylight is what like your laundry room looks like yeah. or a hospital or it's a warehouse. Brutally blue cool it's awful. Yeah. 2700 okay so you're in the right zone. Yep, yep. I think it was 3000 I don't know if Yeah that's down. the 2700 to 3000 is the right it's acceptable. Yeah. And they worked fine except 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 that they flashed like crazy. Why do they flash? They flash because Wait. They Is that a feature that your lights had previously? Oh, weird. At about the speed at which I'm describing that. And that is a common problem that people often have when they replace light bulbs with LEDs. Yeah. And the reason is that the dimmer that they have attached is expecting a certain amount of resistance oh, in the circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those LEDs are using so little juice that they do not provide as much resistance as is expected by the dimmer. So you have two choices. You can get a resistor and wire it from the neutral to the hot on the outside of your switch which is, sounds dangerous to me. I'm not going to do that. Or you could just throw away the dimmer and get a new modern dimmer that knows how to deal with LEDs. Because if you're doing traditional light bulbs, like the, you know, the Edison's, you know, yeah. that you can get the ones, the LEDs are made for dimmers. There's dimmable mm -hmm. ones that There's are dimmable. That customized. But these but were dimmable the LEDs. Oh, they were. Okay. Yeah, they were. But okay. the dimmer itself, this is way more than a one minute tech review. I don't know why I'm going into some detail. Let me hurry through this. I had to replace my light switches. Yeah. I decided to replace them with Lutron Cassetta. These are these amazing light switches. They have radio remote control. So you can put remote controls all over the house. And you can get this little bridge thing that lets you use your iPhone to turn on and off lights all over your house. And that's fun. And so after I replaced the two or three in the living room, and then I was like, ah, to hell with it. I'm going to replace all the light switches in my house with the Lutron Cassettas dimmers so that you can now push one button and the entire house goes dark. That's a great deal of fun. You realize, you, I'm not you sure- You walk around the house turning on the lights again because I don't have the- What if you're not in your bedroom? Like, what if you're in the living room? You have to have your light on in the bedroom? Or no, you could turn it off from okay. the living room. Okay. <laughs> Do you realize it's just a remote just, control app? They're going to start calling this light. that light switch review podcast is going to be how we are referring. <laughs> this is like the third one. This right? is literally the second. This is the second review second of light, light switch? switches. What we, was the, I hope this isn't the first one, which was kind of also pretty. It was instead of a three way switch where you can essentially hit one light switch that control the other light switch by. Radio. I don't know, this is the same or... thing, except that now. Okay, so anyway. But so you inspired me last time. I've got been running around my house yeah. installing the now high speed USB plugs wherever I, I had a couple. Oh yeah. But now every time I feel it's one of these things where like high power. I, it's yeah, less high... important. Yeah. And useful than every time I install something that is hooked up to actual like AC current, sure. and I don't die. I feel like a god, and I feel powerful, <laughs> and I feel, I feel good about myself. Yeah. And then as I, I've put in like the eighth one, it occurred to me that as I'm doing that, I'm spending all day at work bitching about how my whole life is now USB-C. And I realized soon those will all have to come out probably and be replaced with this new nonsense. That may be hard. You're not going to be able to get a big enough transformer into your wall. It's okay. I'm going to, to devote my life to undermining the new USB-C standard because okay. it is destroying my Good days. luck with that. Yeah. That has been the One Minute Tech Review. I'm Joel Spolsky. As you know, we're preparing a constitution for Stack Overflow. Every week, we bring you a proposal, and you, our listeners, will decide on whether that proposal becomes a part of our new constitution. Last week, last week, which was really four weeks ago, because we just call it last week on this podcast, <laughs> even though we we'll get around to making a podcast when we're not in St. Bart's. The question was the Simone Amendment, named after Charles Simone, the writer of Word for Windows. Should we bring back Hungarian notation? And with the result of last week's Constitution question, here's news editor Ilani Itzhaki. We got 83% for con. Oh, no. Oh, but, I love but here's the, and, and I did. I read your blog, and so, and so you, were, yeah. you were pro. But, but we got one pro, and we so got pro. one yay, which is actually the winner. Yay. Oh. oh. Yay. Okay. She says, but only the real Hungarian notation. Semantics-based instead of type-based. Yes. Which is, I think, something that you spoke about on that's your right, blog. That's right. In Hungarian instead of English. 
in Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even use so, it. Not even Finnish. Inna Inna at Inka Tutu Tutu Tutu. She's the winner. Two, two, two. That sounds like a Hungarian name. And she will win a sticker, a fabulous Stack Overflow sticker. Now, today's Yay. Constitution question, oh pro boy. or con? Democracy at work. So here. here's a question. Somebody assigns a bug, you're a programmer. Okay. I picked a very programmery Constitution question for this yeah, I don't know why Michael. you get defensive. That's what we're here to, okay. That's what we're here. Somebody assigns a bug to you. Yep. And you read the bug, and it's not reproducible exactly. Like, it's, you're, not, you're not seeing it. You don't know what they're talking about. Now, you can either just close it as not repro, assign it back to them and say, not reproducible, I can't reproduce your bug. Or do you have to write some kind of stupid explanation? That's, the, that's what we're debating here. Is it like rude just to be like, not repro? Or do you actually have to write some kind of explanation when you do that? You have to write some kind of explanation. No, but do you? Isn't that a big waste of time? Depends how long. I guess there's obviously an efficiency question. How long does it take you to write yeah. an explanation? But the reason I would say it is a best practice to write an explanation there's two reasons, I'd say. So one yeah. is if you care about the people or you yeah. want to ensure you have not misdiagnosed the problem, what you can assume is like that answer will not satisfy the person who posted it. And it doesn't match their experience. Like when yeah. you say non-repro, their reaction is, but it's happening to me. Yeah. And I'm not hallucinating. Right. They, it is certainly, it appears yeah. to be happening to someone. They think it is. Yeah. And when you don't find it, there's two possibilities. So well, one is- no value. I just can't reproduce it here. So it's your job to come to me and persuade me that it happened. Yeah. But I don't know. I think if you put the one sentence like, we tried this and that doesn't happen. Yeah. Half the time that will actually suss out what is different, perhaps. They will have more info. It is sort of like a slap in the face. I, I went to all this trouble reporting a bug and they're just like, not really, bro. Yeah. Even if it doesn't get more info, if nothing else, it shows that like, I don't know, it demonstrates you did a thing. What they're going to be checking is, did they do the same thing I did yeah. and still not find it? And if the answer is yes, they'll shrug and go, well, that sucks for me, I guess, or whatever. But I think, yeah, I think if Usually it's... Usually I put that if they're insufficient. What if there's like insufficient steps, like they've given you, the bug report is just like, oh, the thing isn't working. Yeah, that's you right. Know, not repro. Give me repro step. Alana, what's your take on this situation? I don't know if I'm hearing the right thing. I don't know if I really understand what's going on. But I know that I went to the FedEx website to send some stuff, and I didn't get the website, but it did say your packages got lost. And so I contacted FedEx. It, yeah. But that's all it said on the screen. And I yeah. contacted FedEx and said, I think someone hacked your account. Or I don't know. I, there's a bug here. It's telling me that my packages are lost. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. It was this See, thing. you're a yeah, very ethical it. person. That's I would have said, repair. well, I'm glad you informed me. How will I be compensated for my losses? <laughs> <laughs> and just see how it plays out. You know, they seem to think they owe you something. <laughs> David, do you have an opinion on this matter? Uh, I mean... There's no harm in being polite, but that's not a very funny or interesting answer. So you would say that it is not sufficient just to close it. You have to uh, write an explanation. Okay, so you got to get the pros and cons straight. So the question is, is it sufficient to close a bug as not repro? So pro is that go ahead and just close it as not repro. Just you don't need to slam the door in their face. Con is you have to have a stupid explanation. Post your answer to Twitter using the hashtag. And then it's that thing that looks like a tic-tac-toe board. <laughs> Stack Overflow podcast <laughs> with either pro or con and your explanation, short but juicy, fit it in 140 uh, characters, like a pickle, short but juicy. The best explanation, <laughs> whether on the winning side or the losing side, will be read on next week's podcast and will win a fabulous Stack Overflow sticker courtesy of the Stack Overflow podcast. Also, something that nobody ever does. You got to start doing this, people, or I am quitting. I'm not going to do this every week. <laughs> Submit your ideas for future constitutional amendments. One of them might be named after you. Post your proposed constitutional amendment to Twitter, also using the hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast. And if it's non-terrible, we may feature it in a future poll. Okay, who's our guest today? We have Scott Hanselman. We'll get to him in just one second. What yeah. are pickles short compared to exactly? They're yeah. juicy, but are they... Cucumbers. Are they... Have you ever seen a pickle the size of a cucumber? It never happens, right? What happens to them in the transition? Wait, wait, no. In those like deli jars, when they have like the giant jar on the, on yeah. the deli counter, sometimes those there's pickle like size. huge pickles in there. But you never get one of those. They just give you a little tiny sliver. That can be a future Constitution question. Okay. In answer Let's to your guess. other question, we have the one, the only, uh, Scott Hanselman, who I believe this is his, is it his third? His third? We're going to have to have like a five-timer club thing. It's either his third thing. or his fourth Psycho Flow podcast. Yeah. Please welcome Scott Hanselman. Hello. A man who needs no introduction, but you're still supposed to introduce him, Joel. Scott has been blogging at Hanselman.com for 15 years. I just made that up. Yeah, that sounds about right. He works in open source on ASP.NET, works on the Azure cloud at Microsoft, where he's a program manager. Yeah, something like that. And is actually one of the slightly rare 
home office workers at Microsoft. You live in Portland, Oregon, and remote telecommute. Mm-hmm. You've been on the Stack Overflow podcast before. Yeah. Some. Uh, how many podcasts? Did you at least a while twice. back. Is this like a new generation of? This is a new generation. Yeah. This is Stack Overflow podcast. Before we were doing Stack Exchange podcast, and before that, we were doing the Stack Overflow Inc. Okay. Is it all new cast of characters? Is this like Aunt Viv 2.0? Pretty yeah, this much. Is, this is Joel Jr. interviewing you. you. You spoke with his father last time you were on. That's right. That was that was Senior. And Roy Blythe was on the podcast with me and you and Jeff that we did live from San Francisco once. That was fun. That's mm-hmm. the best podcast ever. We really should just go back and redo that one. Just play that one over and over again. There's a weird connection for me in that, Scott, you have over time come to represent the exact same thing in like my brain and reader, reading, reader experience as Joel did which is to say you're both bloggers or public presenters who primarily targeted a technical audience, which I am not not a programmer, not a real programmer, but wander into these other topics that are super adjacent to my life in like the right nerdy ways and are like so well-written and interesting. I've become like a giant fan. Even some topics that don't interest me, I got sucked in on stuff when you write about less technical subjects. Anyway, if you haven't, check out handsomeness.com. There's tons of awesome, incredible articles on topics that are pretty diverse. And you're on Medium now for your less technical posts, correct? I am cross-posting on Medium, but I'm doing it with Google's Rel Canonical to make sure I don't lose the juice. Yes, which you guys chatted about on the Hansel Minutes podcast, one of your 17 podcasts. If I, You've got hanselminutes.com, yeah. thisdeveloperslife.com, ratchetandthegeek.com. What's going on with This Developer's Life? Have there been new... Uh... This Developer's Life is a show that I do with Rob Connery that is unlike anything you've ever heard before on radio. Right. Is in no way related to This American Life. No. Legally obligated to say that. And <laughs> the reason that it is on hiatus is that it, it takes a non-trivial amount of time to do that. Yeah, it's got production values. It has actual production values, yeah. It's crazy. What must that be like? I mean, it sounds like this preparation. <laughs> we have a rule here. 30 minutes preparation, no more. No less. That's why we always start late, actually, because it usually takes 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. This developer's <laughs> life, the last episode that I did uh, was called Faith, and uh, half of it was Rob Connery talking about letting his young daughters wander around a random town in Greece by themselves, so like letting go and being faith, you know, having faith. That's got to be fine. Yeah, it was pretty scary. But then I had an amazing conversation with a woman I'm a huge fan of named Samus, S-A-M-M-U-S, named after the Metroid hero. Samus is getting a PhD from Cornell, but she's also a really, really good nerdcore rapper. So how does she decide, do I become an academic and get a PhD, or do I quit and go and become a a great rapper? And she's actually doing both simultaneously. Why not both? (laughs) Yeah. No, and I'm serious. She's amazing. She actually keynoted OzCon last year. And that episode... The Australian version of OzCon? I spent probably 45 hours editing 45 (laughs) minutes to get it exactly right. Editing is tough. So before you were the Ryan Seacrest or P. Diddy of the sort of technical blogging... Double insult there. Podcasting. Seacrest is the... That's the best comp... Okay. Dick Clark. You started out your technical life as a straight-up programmer, right? What first got you interested in computers? Um, I don't know if we're going to have time. I was born a poor child. Um, When I was 12, I was getting into trouble and doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Someone told me once that I was voted most likely to be convicted of white-collar crime. Yeah. And there was a meeting with the principal and the superintendent of the school, and they said, we're going to get this kid on the straight and narrow. And there was a computer in the school. There was one computer. It was an Apple II. And they made an agreement that they would let my dad back the pickup truck up to the school. And beep, beep, beep. They would let me steal the $2,000 Apple II and take it home for the weekend, uh-huh. as long as it was home by Sunday at 5. Home meaning back at school. Yeah. And I couldn't tell anyone at school that they were letting me borrow the computer, because it was not something that should be allowed or done. And this is like, as your punishment, we will let him take home the school computer on this weekends. This is just super weird. Like, you've been so bad, they gave you the most valuable thing they own every weekend. It was more of a, this kid has potential and we're boring him and we need to get him straight or he's going to head in the wrong direction. He clearly has an aptitude for, you know, messing around with this computer in the daytime. What would happen if he had, you know, 48 hours of unleashed access to this thing? Good for them for noticing that. If my fifth grade teacher hadn't done that, I would have a very different life. It's very liberal tutti-frutti, if you ask me. I would respectfully disagree. They usually do the opposite, right? They usually think, let's just set him to chopping wood for a couple of years and that will scare him straight. 
So have you ever looked back into that teacher? Like, do they know that you've become like a big... Yeah, she came to my wedding. Oh, that's wonderful. My fifth grade teacher, my seventh grade teacher, my eighth grade teacher are all friends and we all keep in touch. And they've all been to my events, met my kids and everything. That is like, that's such an inspiring story and like an educator really making a difference. That's really cool. Also, you need more friends to invite to your wedding probably, but... <laughs> yeah. Not enough teachers put the time in like she did with you. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. That is a challenge. And I would even say getting the, you know, principals and superintendents, I think they're too busy now. Teaching to the test. Well, there's that. Yeah. Putting out fires and teaching to the test to have that one-on-one experience. But I cannot express, there's a parallel universe where that didn't happen and I'm not who I am. Have you thought about that and maybe done one or two of those things secretly at night in a special costume from the parallel universe? (laughs) But here's the thing though, and this is being very serious for a second. Yes, but people who do those things don't yeah. talk about those things. Aha, aha. So we can't make a podcast out of that. No, no. What I'm saying is that there is doing good, and mm-hmm. then there is talking about doing good. For sure. And if one spends a lot of time talking about doing good, one has to wonder if they're wasting their time. If one is really doing good or simply signaling how good they are. Yeah. So that is an important thing. And I think a good friend of mine named Ann Juan Simmons, A-N-J-U-A-N, has an amazing talk he did called Lending Privilege where he talks about those who are privileged to have been given gifts, like I have been given a gift, and how we can lend that privilege to others. That is something that I try to live because my fifth grade teacher lended me the privilege of using that computer. Mm. Wow. You see how I brought it right back down? Just grounded it. This matters to me. This is stuff that I am passionate about. Like, you know, I'll shoot the whatever with you, but that's where I'm at right now in my career and in my life is to pay it forward. Aside from sort of your desire not to make it about you, how would you encourage maybe other people to think about giving back? It's no right answer, but how do people find the right spark, the right way to get excited and and really stick with it, right? I think it's something everyone wants to do. Right, right. The perspective I have is that we all have specific gifts that we were given, and some of us have not necessarily identified those, or we don't think that the little skill we have is a gift. But, you know, like my dad, for example, is a Native American archer. He like goes out, finds the tree, knocks the tree down, finds the bow and arrow in the tree and makes it from scratch. It takes months and months and months. You know, and he doesn't think that's a skill, but I go over to his garage and it blows me away every time I see it. And I suggested, hang out with my nephew. He would love that. Just sitting and showing how to do that stuff and shooting bows and arrows is a meaningful life experience. So stuff that you might be doing alone, find a kid and do it with that kid include them in soldering or in chopping down a tree or putting together a square foot garden in the backyard. Those are all gifts that we can give to people moving forward. I like to replace light switches, fancier light switches. With like Wi-Fi light switches? Yeah. It's my thing. Sorry, you're doing the same thing with your children though. You created a program, a baby program, didn't you? Oh, the mash (laughs) thing, right? The keyboard. Baby smash. Yeah. 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 So when the boys were two and zero... My wife was making me watch something on Lifetime or Hallmark or something, and it was hurting. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, you know, doing email next to her, and I wrote a program to basically, you know, put colors and shapes and letters and numbers out on the screen. So when the baby smashes the keyboard, you could like load this app, and it would take over the machine, and they couldn't hurt the computer. And then if the kid types a word in the smashing... It would then stop and go, cow, and then spell it out from the smashed letters. And it's all open source and on GitHub, and you can check it out, babysmash.com. Nice. You pulled that one right out of the archives. That sounds like a (laughs) We might have had that on the Stack Overflow archives, actually. It's just silly little stuff like that. When someone makes something, I think the challenge is, do you put it out there, right? Because you might get judged. People might say, that's stupid, that thing that you put out there. But finding Ah. the courage to get out there and be visible is a challenge, but it's worth it when you finally pull it off. That's what it's all about. There are literally hundreds of millions of kids making things and putting them on YouTube, and the things that they're making are kind of awful by anybody's standards, even the best ones. But they're making them, and they're putting out there, and people watch them, and nobody cares that they're awful because they don't have great Hollywood, Star Wars, CGI expectations of a little thing that some kid put on YouTube. They just think that it's a kid that put a fun thing on YouTube. Yeah. There's a piece what you're getting at that's like, Snapchat continues to mystify me as yeah. most old people, and I don't get it. Sure. And everything about it that is a quote-unquote feature feels like a terrible restriction. Like a misfeature, yeah. Right. Like, why does it disappear? Why would I want that? How does that help anybody if it's not to send naked pictures that you want to disappear? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. But I actually think there's a fundamental piece they were getting at there, which is like the freedom to not feel like you have to produce something awesome. Like, there's a bit of like, just send your stuff and don't worry about it. Iterate, like, put it out there, put it out there, put it out there, and don't overthink it. Yeah. Pushes us toward more sharing and flashes of genius within all that noise. Right. Not even being able to edit things means you don't sit around trying to edit them until they're awesome. Right. Like this show. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna edit the hell out of this. We don't. No sentence escapes unscathed. None of my. Oh my gosh, left. you asked for it. Ah, <laughs> uh, since we've had you on the show, there's a new CEO at Microsoft. Have things changed over there? Satya, super nice. He is kind. Yeah. He is kind, he is presidential, he is metered in his speech, and he is thoughtful in his words. He's a good person. Your words seem very deliberate there. It was a very... <laughs> I, I, it, it wasn't negative? No, but... he's holding up today's newspaper. <laughs> totally legit. <laughs> My words are always deliberate. This has led to a whole change in the attitude of Microsoft towards the things that you care about, like open source and the attitude towards the community and the way that mm -hmm. Microsoft relates to outside people, whereas earlier there were sort of... These are my words now, but kind of a bunker mentality from the top, although there were always people in the organization that were more open to the outside world. But there was really a sense that if you wanted to move up in the organization or at the top, you were a little bit more like Apple, where everything was secretive and everything was like a movie corporation. And now that the top has changed and become open to the world and the universe and open source and other things that are going on in other places, it's really sort of unleashed this great creative energy that was already there inside Microsoft. And juxtaposing that, the tragic loss of Steve Jobs, another change at the top, has sent Apple in an unusual direction as well that may not be for the better. So yeah, things changed pretty quickly. Five years ago is not today. And it'll flip back and forth, but we're not as organized as we would need to be to be as evil as people think we are. It's complicated and multi-layered, but one manages their career, one manages the perception that other people have of them, one manages up. You manage your manager, mm -hmm. make sure that their perception of you is as you wish it to be. You know, you can be a little two-faced if you do that, or you can just be who you're going to be and accept that that's either going to slow you down or it's going to speed you up in the process. I realize that I am, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a partner, I'm not a VP, there's no way that's going to happen. I work here in Portland, for crying out loud, right? There's an implied glass ceiling. <laughs> but that also changes when you get older, and I have minimal interest in career advancement at this point, you know? Well, how much more could you advance? What does advanced even mean, right? Yeah. I watch young people excited about their career, uh -huh. you know, but if you have a more minimalist perspective on acquiring stuff, I got a car, I have a house, I have an iPhone, nice computer, pretty much handled. You know what I mean? All the toys you need. Well, I try to keep the toys. People think of me as toy person, but frankly, all the different gadgets and widgets and stuff that I do, it's all just maker stuff. It's not expensive. It's just Adafruit right. stuff. I'm not a big on acquiring things. And when I do, I give most of it away. So my perspective is to spend your money on experiences more than on stuff. Yeah. So bringing that back to the idea of career advancement, like what's the goal so I can buy a giant house I'm never going to be in? I'm sure you've read some of that happiness science stuff where they've studied, like, how do you turn money into happiness? And yeah. in my recollection, the single most efficient way is give it away. Like, giving away stuff makes people wow. much happier than they think. But after that... I have heard that after a certain point, you can actually wear two pairs of pants. <laughs> but it takes more than, like, about a million dollars a year. There is an amount of money, though. There's a fat part of the bell curve, right? Like <laughs> people under, you know, sixty, seventy thousand 70000 a year struggle yep. and find that to be difficult. But sure. people over then have a night. But see, the difference between hundred grand a year and one hundred and fifty is just kind of fluff, you know what I mean? Or some number. I'm just, someone's going to text me and tell me that the numbers are inappropriate. But the point is, once you're in, you know, the comfortable part of middle class or upper middle class, why work 70 hours a week? to acquire more stuff you can't have time to use. We're really talking about remuneration, like getting paid for the work that you do. But I'm thinking about, you know, what it means to be an awesome developer at the pinnacle of their career, in my mind, has nothing to do with how much you get paid or how many people report to you. Point taken. So then it's about what feeds your spirit, right? Exactly. Are you working on something fun that you like every day? You're learning exactly. new things all the time. You're teaching people. You're getting satisfaction out of work and you're excited to go to work in the morning or to start doing work in the morning. That's 100%. I don't know what else. Right. Yeah. So I realized that I was a programmer. I've been a programmer for 25 years, but I would say I am a better teacher than I am a programmer. Mm -hmm. I am an average programmer. I believe at this age, I am a good teacher. The answer to your question, Scott, is $91,275. What's that when they tell you how to wear two pairs So no, they did a study. Is that the happiness number? The yeah, yeah. It's the tipping point. <laughs> money, money makes you happy up until some point at which it has basically additional income has almost no effect on your overall happiness. 91, that's a lot of money. Well, it depends where you are. So the number ranges from about 65 grand to 122 grand in the United States. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. In You're in the that's Oregon cool. version of Portland, if I recall correctly. I am in the Oregon part of Portland. In Oregon, it's 91,200. 
$175 where researchers say there's yeah, a yeah. little marginal benefit to making more money and your happiness at least. Yeah, oh yeah. And you would live very comfortably and you could have a very nice house and everything. Yep. That's a Kahneman study, my favorite, my favorite writer who David turned me on to. Yeah. So then the question is, if you can make an amount of money, as Joel said, some remuneration that makes you feel happy and comfortable where you don't have to think about it all the time, right? Where yeah. the psychic weight of paying your bills is diminished. Then pick a job that makes you happy and hopefully that the two things will line up. That's very inspiring. It is. Aw. Aw. It's a pretty low bar, but Scott is easily the most inspiring guest we've had at least since Podcast 97. The last episode. No, a couple of weeks ago we had a pretty inspiring guest, but it's kind of rare. So you're saying that two weeks ago you had an inspiring guest and I'm the most inspiring <laughs> since that one two weeks ago. I'm saying we've had- Two podcasts they're ago. All, they're so all, like look months. what we had. We had Anil Dash, Sarah Chips. Oh, well, for crying out loud, you guys. We had, Anil Dash uh, mostly told me I didn't know much about music. He didn't inspire your me. Your bar is so high though. Sarah Chips and the stuff that she's doing with Julie Botts is amazing. Yeah. Anil is Dash, fun, yeah. did he come wearing all purple? He did, I think. I, I don't Paisley, even Paisley. Complete purple suit. We had Omoju Miller. Look at these great Omoju people. Miller yeah, is great. wonderful. She was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she, was she was awesome. awesome. This is a great show. She's one of my best podcast guests ever. Yeah. You got a high bar to live up to, Scott. I do. We need to start over and do this whole thing again because this sucks. This is what we do. We invite <laughs> great guests to come on and save us from ourselves. Because <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing here. No idea. Uh. So if our listeners were to go read, study, hear, become excited by one thing, whether by you or somebody, what should everyone be checking out these days? I will turn my ego on for a minute, and I will say that after over 550 episodes of my podcast, which is every single Thursday for over 10 years, it's a really, really good show. I am extremely proud of it. Of all the software I've shipped and all the work I've done, I am not prouder of anything than my show. It is a huge group of really cool people doing cool stuff. And I hope that I'll be, you know, Terry Gross or Diane Rehm or someone like that one day. Wow. I would encourage people to listen to my show. We just need to do 500 shows. <laughs> And we too can be. We will get there. Check out Scott's show. Even when Joel is not a guest on it, they are fantastic. And Scott, I'll say, I like, it's nice. It's refreshing to hear someone who's comfortable saying, I worked hard at this and I think the results were good and I'm super proud of it directly. I think most of us, I don't know, I'm, I'm discomfited saying that even when I want to feel that way. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. One day you too will feel that way. Maybe next show. I don't think it's going to be that <laughs> soon, but I appreciate your optimism and we'll see how it all shakes out. Well, I appreciate you taking my gentle, gentle ribbing. Don't say anything, Joel. And thank you very much for having me on your show. Thanks, thank as always, Scott. Scott. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Bye, friends. Okay, shall we do some news? Oh, let's. Are we show? Atlassian Corp. on Monday said it agreed to buy privately held Trello Inc. for $425 million, adding... What? Adding dollars? the dollars, dollars. Adding the beloved collaboration app to its portfolio of software tools for developers. I put beloved in the, in the, in the text there. Trello's product is a collaborative digital whiteboard that lets far-flung colleagues organize projects, create to-do lists, and assign tasks. It began as an internal project management tool that was spun off from Fog Creek Software Inc. in July 2014. Woohoo! So first and foremost, yes. had you heard about this before just I now? Did, no, this is fantastic So this news. is good news for you this probably. This is good news for this me because exciting. I sort of uh, worked on Trello a little bit. You, are you not? I feel like really? you have a chairman yeah. of the board type title. Chairman of the, okay, okay. That's what you do yeah. now. Right? Chairman of the board. Right? Chairman so board. this is- this No, is... I had to resign. Oh, <laughs> you were once up until- <laughs> You were is that no March 31st, longer. maybe. As of being. closing. As of the closing, which did not happen. So this is phenomenal. So tell us more about this show. Okay, so Trello is this boards, this cars, this list. We're familiar with their work. Sort of items. I haven't really been working on it lately because our mutual friend, Michael Pryor, Michael Pryor, who was a cheerleader in high school at Lancaster Catholic, is <laughs> if you want the best article about the acquisition, cold. you can literally just Google like Michael Pryor and just Google News it. And the top article is like the Lancaster yeah. Weekly or whatever yeah. it is. And it, it's the, the basic Lancaster, theme is not Pennsylvania. Like, yeah, it's not like, like a thing uh, happened to somebody that was yes. slept. Local boy makes good. Yes. If you need some money, hit him up. It's a classic. So anyway, so Michael Pryor, the C he's current the CEO. CEO. Well, he was. Now he's been demoted to he's like... He's been demoted to the manager of the Trello business unit or something like that. And he will report to, who knows, some probably... You'll have like a big knife and a crocodile NBA or something. In the Australian-based... We didn't mention Atlassian, Sydney. Sydney, Australia, also with a large presence in many other cities, including San Francisco. But they will now have a New York office. 
This will be their New York office. And it will. So I got I to gotta ask Joel, let's, let's talk about Atlassian a little bit. Okay. Back when I was a young developer at yeah, Fog yes. Creek working yes. on Fogbugs, Atlassian was our, was our rival. They were. <laughs> they, were. they were. They were the enemy. Sometimes, occasionally, it turns out that someone you thought of as your enemy, you learn more. Like, for example, you might learn they have $425 million and, you know... <laughs> Just it changes perspective. They might have had 427 or something before this. <laughs> but no, but so Atlassian, <laughs> but when you talk about the enemy, Atlassian, yeah. I mean, Atlassian was, they were, they, a, they were a competitor is what a, they were. Right? A good they were, competitor. They were They were. To be clear, they were never, they weren't like evil, right? It wasn't they like were they were evil. the evil version of us and we hated them. But no, they were, we like to pretend that they were, but it was really hard to really, to really come up with anything other than the fact that they were from Australia. And that's. And they, and they had those adorable Australian accents. It's really hard to stay mad at somebody with a. <laughs> with an accent like that. It is. Mike. No one's ever mad at a koala bear. No. Are they from Australia? They are, right? Koalas, yes. Yeah, okay. Certainly. So, <laughs> are you trying to troll <laughs> us with a New Zealand accent? I see what you're doing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I never would do that. Wait, so yeah, so I, I assume yeah. they, they didn't buy Fog Creek because of the New Zealand uh, bird, right? Correct. Was, correct. Was... Kiwi is the former mascot of Fogbugs. Still technically former. the mascot, but Anil Dash has said, I'm killing the bird. But so this is interesting. That... He killed the bird? He, that's what he said. He said, I'm killing the bird. That's super messed up. I know, it is a little wow, messed up. Can you dark. imagine? But I mean, you know, it's... A... They better eat all parts of that bird, because it's that's just right. disrespect. But so, okay, so Trello... Slice it and you put it on a nice pavlova. So Trello spun off Fog Creek, as we know, was a standalone company. Yes, although they still occupy the same office as of today. So they there will be space. a period of time where the New York Atlassian office and the Fog Creek office may actually be in the same... Physical space, which is I know this feels like Romeo and Juliet or something Fog like the Creek, feuding the families and metro- finally coming together. Montagues, the Montagues and the Capulets. Mon- What's yes, rising right. above the petty competition to build a bigger, no. better company and mousetrap? Yes. And- Atlassian always cared about developers and made great yep. developer products because they cared about developers and they treated the developers right, which we heart the people that love developers. They've spent a lot of money on Stack Overflow over the years, so thank you for sure. that. Good customer Stack Overflow. Uh, good customer of ours. If so, you're hiring uh, developers, do what Atlassian did and use Stack Overflow talent. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we're happy with the 420 and uh, the uh, outcome. <clears throat> I think that there's a nice, a lot of, obviously, it's always timing's different. Some people get lucky and more lucky and less lucky. But yeah. But Trello was an unusually employee-owned company because of- We did. We sort of lucked out. Well, part of it is because- The Fog Creek structure, right? You well, had... first of all, at Fog Creek, we just gave everybody stock in the company. Lots of companies do that. And when Trello spun off, anybody that had shares in Fog Creek also ended up with some shares in Trello. And, you know, yeah. depending on when they were there, they may have also ended up with shares in Stack Overflow. And that's good for some of those early Fog Creek employees made out like bandits, as yeah, they say. Yeah, no, in a good way. But I think in a good that's... Way. And there wasn't a lot of dilution because Trello got profitable so fast that well, we only, only one really round, need right? the one round. Yeah. And so in just a few short years and with very little VC investment and thus very little dilution, thus keeping the employees pretty much, you know, a great percentage of their shares they got to keep. And it's an all cash. It's not an all cash deal, but it's mostly cash. Yeah. And a lot of that came out of, I remember I was thinking this was, you guys were crazy, but I think it worked out really well for the employees. In the early days of Fog Creek, you had this crazy structure where all of the profits were paid back out to employees based on, that weren't reinvested, like whatever wasn't spent. That's a good point. We used to, uh, yeah, yeah. Based on tenure and... Yeah, we had some kind of convoluted system where we were like, hey, we got some profits and, you know, whatever, let's give it to the employees. And we did that for a few years. And actually, during the development of Trello, we kind of opted to just pedal to the metal, work really hard on Trello, hire as many people as we can. And we actually did not pay a profit share for a whole year. And then there was a year where we only paid a half of what we might have normally paid. And that money collectively was our investment as sort of Fog Creek shareholders in the creation of Trello. And so that was sort of the seed money, and that allowed us to build Trello without going out and getting any kind of investments or anything like that. So that was another reason why we kept so much ownership and it was so efficient, is that the people essentially went along with the plan of kind of giving up their profit share for a couple of years in exchange for a much bigger payout down the line, as it turns out. So it's one of those cool... All good. It's like when UPS went public. I remember thinking it was like the first time I saw it. Like when UPS went public, truck drivers got rich. Like A few. I mean, a lot. The long term, yeah. like people who ran warehouses and... It's, I don't yeah. know. So it's a nice. It was nice. It's a nice. People that worked hard and built to a tell great stories plan. about Bill Gates's personal assistant made you know, seven million dollars, or the masseuse at Google made you know big IPOs. Everybody gets rich. You know, we're working super hard, and there's still no masseuse yeah. here. We're on it. We're on it. Okay. We're on it. Okay. Thanks, still, we still only have one pastry chef per city. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. First, we gotta get two pastry chefs per city. No one gets two pastry chefs till everyone has one. That's the way you keep. 
How are we doing for time? I think we should we should wrap up. I think we should. This Holy one. cow. You have gone and wasted another 60 minutes of your life listening to Stack Overflow podcast number 98, recorded Thursday, January 12, 2017 at Stack Overflow headquarters. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend, spread the word. We need more subscribers or we're never going to be number one on iTunes. We got episode 100 coming up and we're going to get Jeff Atwood back on the podcast. So everybody should keep listening for that. This podcast has been brought to you by Sydney, Australia. Enjoy Sydney's natural beauty from recognizable landmarks like the Harbour Bridge to picturesque <laughs> beaches and world-class restaurants, plus world-class enterprise software companies <laughs> like Campaign Monitor and Atlassian. Sydney, it's better than Melbourne. Okay. <laughs> Audio engineer is Carlos Hernandez. Audio editor is David Greenlee. Your producer is Jess Perdue. Executive producer is Caitlin Pike. For Scott Hanselman, Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton, and Ilana Itzhaki, I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you Radio gold. End to end. That was butter, the whole thing. Butter. <laughs> butter. <laughs> Could that have been better, Joel? I don't think so, frankly. Are you ever going to have me on the show again? Is this it? Is this the end of our friendship? The other way around. The more we dislike somebody, the more we ask them to come back to punish them. <laughs> it's true. And we're a cornichon. Huh? You know, they're so little. Cornichon, <laughs> like a gherkin. They're so little. They're right. so... Oh, gir- sweet gherkins are the yummiest. I think the St. Bart's may be a cornichon of France, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just call St. Bart's a French tiny pickle? <laughs> kind of is. It's the meanest thing anyone's ever said about St. Bart's. I don't give a fig. <laughs>